Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Are you there? Okay. Uh, This is what it says. The birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. While, she, while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. All this was done that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel. Let's try and say that one together. Everybody say Emmanuel which is translated God with us. That's where we get the, the name of our series here. And I, and I want you to turn now to the Gospel of Luke. It's over just a, a number of pages. You'll go over Mark and uh, go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. I want to read a few verses here as well. You guys will have a good grasp on the Christmas narrative Luke chapter 2 in verse 1 says this, It came to pass in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quinarius was governing in Syria for all to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house in the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So when they were there, uh, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. There were some in the same country, uh, shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone about them, and they were greatly afraid. The angel said, don't be afraid. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ. Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. So it was while the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When they'd seen him, they made widely known this which was told them saying concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at the things that were told them by the shepherds. Mary kept these things and pondered them in her heart. 
The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. Wow. I know that was a lot of reading, but, uh, but let's pray. I think God's going to speak to us some things that will encourage us and strengthen us this morning. So let's just ask his hand over this time. Lord, I, I just thank you for your word. Lord, what an incredible and miraculous story we've just uh, we've been able to read. And God, I just ask that today, this morning, you would make it real to each and every heart. Lord, in this place that you would, Lord, let this be more than a belief. Let it be more than a, a holiday. Let it be more than songs that we sing. Jesus, I pray that you would be so real in each and every one of our lives, that you would re- reveal yourself as God and, and Lord and Savior. God, in each and every one of our lives. Jesus, I pray for an anointing to rest upon me, that under under your authority and under the unction of the Holy Spirit, I would preach today. And God, I ask that you would anoint every listener within the sound of my voice. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that perceives what your Spirit is speaking. In Jesus' name, and everybody say, Amen. amen, amen. You may be seated. What an awesome story. You know, we... The reason that I, that I wanted to, to kind of bring out this text, I wanted you to get a grasp on the entire story here this morning, but I wanted to look. Some of you may wonder, why did Jesus need to come at all? What is the point of the Christmas narrative? What's the point of Jesus even being here? I mean, you might look at guys like Moses and David and people that lived before, before Jesus actually came and like, Man, these guys seem to have it kind of figured out. They had a pretty good system going on. Why do we need Jesus today? And what I want to look at is actually the declarations that the angels made to the shepherds. Because what the angels said, they actually stated to the shepherds exactly why Jesus needed to be here. And I'd encourage you, get on the, we've got a podcast and uh, uh, we actually didn't have it on live stream, but on, on our podcast, you can get on Spotify or you can search on Apple, just my name, and you can get the teaching that we did on angels in dreams this last week. I believe there is far more angelic activity that goes on around us than most people would begin to even recognize. And you look at how often angels ministered throughout this story. I mean, they appeared to Joseph. And how many of you understand that needed to happen? I mean, I look at this story, and you may wonder as we were reading through this, I mean, there was a census that was called Joseph and Mary, his betrothed wife. So they're not even married yet, right? They go for a census, and it was pretty cool. Uh, I actually did, this, did some study on this. They've actually found manuscripts over 2,000 years old that are calling for this census. So they've actually been able to prove this fact that, you know what, they did call, and everybody had to return to their hometown, which is why there was no room found for them in the, in the inn. Everybody who had been from that town had to return to that town, and it was just jam-packed. You imagine everybody comes to town at the same time. Now, Mary is pregnant, They're engaged. Joseph has not known Mary in the biblical sense. And this is a a big deal because you understand in this culture, in this day and age, if you got pregnant out of wedlock, that's what we would call adultery. She was engaged to Joseph, and in in this culture, I mean, in in, in this tradition, and I I actually kind of like this, we 
as modern day Americans, we treat marriage and, you know, as, as just kind of some, you know, haphazard, you know, just some casual thing, you know, I'll get married and well, if I'm not satisfied, then I'll get divorced. And it's just, it's not a big deal in our culture, in our day and age, uh, you know, and maybe I just won't even get married. I'll just, you know, we'll just, we'll just live together and we'll just do in this culture. You understand, even if they got engaged. Hey, we are going to commit one day we're going to get married and that might be a long process. Even if they were engaged, if they decided we're not going to marry one another, they had to get divorced. And so the fact that Mary was pregnant even before they had come together, if Joseph, the reason it says that he was minded to put her away quietly is because if he actually went public with this thing and says she's pregnant, it's not from me, they actually could have charged her with adultery which was punishable by death so the fact that joseph so you can imagine i mean how would you feel you think about this story now i don't want to make light of this but your fiance comes home pregnant and you know that it's not you okay there's red flag number one and then she gives birth and all these random guys start showing up All these random dudes start showing up, and I didn't tell these shepherds. Who are these magi that are coming from other nations? I don't even know who any of these people are. And, uh, but, you know, he needed, I'm just telling you, he needed those angels to show up and say, Joseph, hey, buddy, <laughs> uh, this is the Lord. Uh, the Holy Spirit has come. This child that is to be born, understand, he is a Savior. You will call his name Jesus. And we talked about this last Sunday, about how the name Jesus is actually, his name literally means Savior. It's the, it's the Hebrew name uh, uh, Yeshua, or we would actually translate it modern day into the name Joshua. Uh, it literally means Savior. That's why he says you'll call his name Jesus because he will save his people people from their sin and so they go they go to Bethlehem the and 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 they they give birth she gives birth and uh, and lays the child in a manger now I, I don't know if you know this I always grew up thinking that a manger was the like the wooden shack right did you know the manger is actually the feeding trough the manger is the feeding trough that you, you know, that you would feed cows and cattle out of. Tradition holds that Jesus was actually born in a cave and uh, he was laid in a manger. Now what's interesting about this is you can actually go today to Bethlehem and there is a church. It's called the Church of the Nativity and you can go into that church and it is literally built over that cave where they believe that Jesus was born. You can actually go down into it and they've got all kinds of relics and fancy gold and all this kind of stuff. I watched a video on it. It's very, very interesting. One day, you guys pray with me. We're going to go to Israel. Come on, they just need to open it up again, and we can all go together. You guys want to go to Israel? All right, here we go. So uh, uh, now this is so cool, though. So many awesome points through this. Uh, we're going to go, by the way, we're going to go on a field trip on Tuesday night. For the first time in 800 years, we're gonna, they're going to have what they're actually calling the Christmas star. Uh, it's uh, Jupiter and Saturn are actually coming into alignment, and it's going to make that cross. And so uh, I think after service on Tuesday, God willing, if it's a clear night, we'll, we might just go drive somewhere, I don't know, uh, somewhere outside of town, and we'll go look at the star. And 
I don't know, we'll have a little worship party. But this is what's so cool about this whole thing. There, is a, there, there, there are magi who are led by a star, a light in the sky to the light of the world, born in a manger. Angels reveal to shepherds the good shepherd who has now been born to mankind. And Jesus, the bread of life. Now, you may not know this. Do you know what the name Bethlehem means? It means house of bread. Oh, isn't that wild? And so there's all of these references that are all pointing towards Jesus. But why? Why did Jesus need to come? Well, that's what I want to look at here in Luke 2, 11, It says, born to you this day in the city of David is a Savior. Everybody say Savior. This is very important. If you're taking notes, this is the first thing that I want you to be sure that you understand about Jesus. The reason that he came to this earth, first and foremost, is Jesus is the Savior of the world. Jesus is the Savior of the world. How many of you are thankful that you're saved? You guys, I... You know, we prayed just a little bit earlier in the service, and my heart is so concerned about so many people. But you know, the, the reason that my heart is so concerned about the lost is because I was lost. And one thing I want to encourage you, I'll I, I just challenge you sometime, even, even this Christmas season is a great time to just pause and consider what your life would be like without Jesus. I probably wouldn't even be alive, I'm telling you. I was a drug addict before I got saved. My, my family was, was breaking up. I mean, I, was, I got a DUI. I got, I got fired from multiple jobs. I mean, my life, I blew a scholarship that I had for, for music. And, uh, I mean, my life was just being destroyed. And I, I think about all of these moments, this moment where I, I nearly died of a drug overdose on, on one occasion. And I think about those moments. And I consider, Jesus, if you had not saved me, I would be dead. If you had not come into my life, uh, even if I wasn't dead, boy, I, I, I don't even want to imagine what my life would be like. I mean, I think about the gift that I have in my wife, the gift that I have in my children. Guys, I have the best job on the planet. I get to come on Saturdays and build stages. Praise God. No. And I, no, I really do enjoy this kind of thing. And, but I, to, to be and to do life with you guys, to worship, I mean, I just, God is too good to us. He is too good. And you ought to take time to consider how good Jesus has been to you. And I want to remind you, Jesus did not come just to save you in a moment of trouble. He came to be the complete and the everlasting Savior. It's not just, I know many people, they have some crisis in their lives. You, I, you wouldn't believe how many people we meet, they come into the church because my marriage is about to fall apart. I've got some problems that I need to work through. I've got this sin that's gripping me. And they come to the Lord in a moment of crisis. But as soon as their problem is resolved, we watch as they just kind of fade away. 
And you guys, I, I just want to remind you that Jesus did not just come to be a temporary Savior in your life, just to deliver you out of those moments of trial and tribulation. Now, he did. And guess what? God is gracious, and he'll meet you in your time of need. But let's not abandon him the moment that, hey, my crisis is over. And uh, now I can go back to business as usual. I I tell you, most of the problems that we have in our life stem from the fact that we're not in right relationship with Jesus. And so you notice that as you draw close to the Lord, those worldly issues tend to typically fade away. That sin that drug you down begins to not grip you so much as it did before. But the moment that you're free, it's like if you go back to that, you understand you're going to find yourself in bondage once again. Let's remain faithful to Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus, I want you to understand, he came, the Bible says, to save us from our sin in Matthew 1, 21. I'm thankful that that, that bondage, that those things that easily beset us and, and drag us down, guess what? Jesus came to set you free from those things. And, and let me remind you, there is a difference between being saved in your sin and being saved from your sin. There's a big difference. I, I looked at this and I, I, I tore apart. That's Matthew 121. We read the verse earlier. It's a prophecy about who Jesus would be. Being saved in your sin is this idea that, you know what? I, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do things the way that I want to do it. And I'll just apply Jesus to my life. And, uh, and, and, and then I'm going to make it into heaven. Friend, that's not the way it works. There's a bumper sticker I don't know if anybody has this. If you have this, I'm about to offend you. I'm sorry. But there's a bumper sticker that says, I'm not perfect, just forgiven. Maybe you got the T-shirt or something like that. I'll just tell you, take that off your car. Take that off your shirt. That's, uh, the reason I dislike that message is it sends this picture. It gives people this impression. I'm the same as you are. But because I have Jesus... I get to go to heaven, you're going to go to hell. And I believe that's a false message. Guys, if our life does not look different than the world, if our habits and the things that we're attracted to and addicted to don't look different than the world, then I'm telling you, I question your salvation. Jesus did not come to save you in your sin. Well, we'll just apply Jesus. That's, that's the Hindu mentality you understand. We'll just add another God who could be a benefit to your life. We'll just add this over here and this over here. Mission trip I took to India was the most mind-boggling thing. We went up to this one temple. And there were all these different gods that were posted up on the, on the front of the building on a, you know, on a overhang like this. You had the elephant God and you had the lady with four arms and you had the monkey God. And this is what blew my mind. Jesus was the last one on that temple. And somewhere along the line, some missionary had come and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. These guys had heard the message and decided, you know what? That sounds like a pretty good deal to me. And, but, but, but what they did is they took Jesus and they added him to their gods. They didn't replace their, their other gods. Somewhere along the message, they, for, they failed to mention that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The only way, the truth, and the life. There is no other gods except for Jesus. They didn't renounce those things. And we're not Hindus. You can't just 
add Jesus to your list of other idols and other sins and expect, well, this is going to work out great for me. Jesus came to save us from our sins. And he wants to do that for each and every one of you. Now, I know when I start preaching about sin and all this, uh, you know, don't, don't get upset, okay? Uh, God is, he'll put his finger on things in our life. And the only reason he does that, the only reason you would, you would have any sense of, of guilt or remorse is the Lord desires to move you to repentance. And if you would give your sin to the Lord, then guess what? He would take that sin. He would wash it away. He would leave you as a new creation in him. And we can live our lives free. I tell you guys, it's a lot easier to live in freedom than it is to live in bondage. I'm just telling you, I've lived my life as an addict. I love the life that I live today. Jesus came to save us from our sin. Jesus came to deliver us from Satan, according to Matthew 6.13. Jesus came to save us from the curse of the law, Romans 3.20 and Romans chapter 7. He came to save us from eternal death, what we would call hell, Romans 6.23. Anybody thankful? We get to go to heaven at the end of this life. Oh my goodness, I sure am. He came to deliver us from the wrath to come, Romans 5, 9. That's why, by the way, I'm not afraid as I'm watching the world literally fall apart around us, whether it's COVID or race issues or the economy, all of these things, I know it's bad. But I understand that God has come to save us from wrath that is to come. That Listen, the world is literally going to be consumed one day. All government is going to fail one day. But we are going to rule and reign with Christ Jesus forever. Oh, I hope you grab a hold of this. You say, Pastor, are you, are you just discouraged about what's going on with the elections? Uh, you know what? Yeah, I've got personal opinions and feelings about these things. And I, I am, am I concerned about COVID? Yes, I absolutely. But I don't lose sleep over any of these things. Because at the end of the day, I understand. I'm not going to put my faith and I'm not going to build my life on these foundations that I know are going to fail. Pray for your president. Pray for your nation. Wear a mask if you want to do that. I can't stand that thing. Never mind. Okay. My wife gets on me every Sunday. I just, uh, I want to, never mind. Okay. Let's move on. Anybody else get irritated by this whole thing? All right. Well, let me go on to my next point. Jesus is, what was the first one? Do you guys get it? He is Savior. He's the Savior of the world. But here's the second thing, Luke 2, 11. It says, it was born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Did you know that Christ is not Jesus' last name? You know that, right? Christ is actually a title. It means Messiah. It means anointed one. All throughout the Old Testament, everybody was looking towards this moment where a prophet like unto Moses would come. Where this man who would come and once for all would be able to eradicate sin and destroy the works of the devil and establish a new kingdom. That's the Christ the Messiah that they were waiting for. If Jesus had a last name, it's not Christ. It's actually of Nazareth. 
You guys know that? And so, so that's his title. That's his name. And this is what they were waiting for because, guys, we need the Christ. We need the Messiah. There was a reason Adam and Eve, they had a relationship with God, yet when they failed, they still needed a covering. And even their covering failed. They died. Abraham had covenant with God, yet he still needed a Savior. He failed in his walk with God, and he died. So did Moses. So did David. They all fell short. And the Bible says we all fall short of the glory of God. Whether you try and abide by the law, I live by the Ten Commandments, we can do our best, but you will fail. We need a Savior. We need Christ, the Anointed One. And I just want to remind you, everything in the Bible is pointing towards that Christ. Jesus, who was born in a manger. I, I was listening. I got, I got encouraged as I was listening. Uh, uh, maybe you've heard a famous message by Oral Roberts. He was talking about the fourth man in the fire. And uh, I'd encourage you, you can search it. You can find it online. My family and I were reading that story this last week, and uh, we, do a, we do a devotion together. We read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And there was this moment, you right, might remember, where the king threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire. And when they observed, they noted that not only were these three boys unharmed, they were not burned, but the king said, I see a fourth man in the fire. And his appearance is like the Son of God. Now this is before Jesus came, you understand. But even they knew there is a Son of God. And everything was pointing towards Jesus. And I want to I share with you what Oral Roberts shared that day about the famous fourth man. Who is the fourth man in the fire? In Genesis, he's the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is our high priest. In Numbers, he is the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's a prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he is our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he is our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he is the reigning king. In Ezra, he is the faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, the rebuilder of the broken down walls of human life. In Esther, he is our Mordecai. In Job, he is the ever-loving Redeemer, for I know my Redeemer lives. Who is this fourth man? In Psalms, he is the shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he is our wisdom. In the Song of Solomon, he is the lover of the bridegroom. In Isaiah, he is the Prince of Peace. In Jeremiah, the righteous branch. In Lamentations, he is our weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he is the wonderful four-faced man. In Daniel, he is the fourth man in life's fiery furnaces. In Hosea, he's the faithful husband forever married to the backslider. In Joel, the baptizer with the Holy Ghost and fire. In Amos, he is our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is mighty to save. In Jonah, he is our great foreign missionary. In Micah, he is the messenger of beautiful feet. In Nahum, he is the avenger of God's elect. In 
In Habakkuk, he is God's evangelist crying, Revive thy work in the midst of the years. In Zephaniah, he is our Savior. In Haggai, the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, the foundation open in the house of David for sin and uncleanness. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. In Matthew, he's the Messiah. In Mark, the wonder worker. In Luke, the son of man. In John, the son of God. In Acts, he's the Holy Ghost. In Romans, he's our justifier. In Corinthians, our sanctifier. In Galatians, the redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, he is the Christ of unsearchable riches. In Philippians, the God who supplies all of our needs. In Colossians, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Thessalonians, he is our soon coming king. In First and Second Timothy, he is the mediator between God and man. In Titus, our faithful pastor. In Philemon, a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. In Hebrews, he is the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, the great physician, for the prayer of faith will save the sick. In Peter, he is our chief shepherd, whom soon shall appear with a crown of unfading glory. In 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, he is love. In Jude, he is the Lord coming with 10,000 of his saints. And in Revelation, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Oh, my goodness. I feel the anointing on that. You just begin to talk about who Jesus is. Oh, my goodness. He shows up. He's living and active among us, you understand. His ministry did not stop when he ascended to heaven. He still continues to minister to this very day. He is Christ. He is Messiah. And then he says that he is Lord. It literally means he is Master. You will find a Savior who is Christ the Lord, your Master. Oh my goodness, you guys, that's who Jesus ought to be to everyone. My spiritual father used to say that if Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And so we choose this day, Jesus, I make you my Lord, I make you my King, I make you my Savior. The story continues, and I'm, I'm nearly to a close. We're going to welcome our kids, we're going to have some fun with presents and all of this. But this is a cool thought that I, I just wanted to draw your attention to. I saw it bless me a lot. The Bible talks about how after the angel says you will find a Savior, Christ the Lord. It says that a whole host of heaven appeared. Now, I've seen that, right? Maybe you've seen a production where Gabriel is there and he makes the declaration to the shepherds in the field. And and then this moment, like 20 angels show up, right? And begin to make this declaration. We'll look at it in a moment. But heavenly host the bible in revelation chapter 5 mentions a heavenly host and it actually says that it is a number that is too large for the human mind to fathom i want you to think about this for a moment this is so cool and because the bible knows how to record numbers you understand we've got a whole book in the bible called numbers and, and, and there's a, there, the Bible records some big crowds, 5,000 men, not including women and children, legion of demons, right? We, we look at some of the offerings the Bible recorded, sometimes in the millions, even on one occasion into the billions that Solomon gave on one occasion. The, point, the Bible knows how to count. 
So when it says that a host of heaven is innumerable, you guys, there are millions of angels that appeared in that moment. you got to wonder why. Why did they say, don't be afraid when they appeared to... You imagine a million angels appear before you in the sky. That's mind-boggling. What is this army? And why do they show up? Only to make one declaration. They say, uh, they say, glory to God, peace, goodwill towards men. Glory to God, peace, goodwill towards men. Which, by the way, if you ever meet somebody who says, uh, you know, if they get offended when you wish them Merry Christmas, we've already been encountering this because we're, we're vocal about this. You guys remember a couple of years ago they tried to get everybody to stop saying Merry Christmas, no, Happy Holidays. That was about the stupidest thing I ever heard in my life. Like, 98% of everybody, Christian and otherwise, celebrates this. Now, listen, if you celebrate Hanukkah, I don't care if you celebrate nothing. That's fine do that. I'm going to celebrate Christmas, and I'm going to say, Merry Christmas. And if somebody gets offended about that, you just tell, what part of Christmas offends you? Is it the peace on earth or the goodwill to all men? What part of that offends you, for real? Peace on earth or goodwill? You just tell somebody that, okay? And uh, if they want to fight you, you tell them you go to the Baptist church, okay? You're not a part of this church. All right. So Jesus, but this is what he came to bring, peace on earth. Because you understand, the Bible says that that outside of Jesus, we're at enmity with God. There's this hostility, there's this constant wrestling with God. Some of you feel like, man, my whole life things have just worked against me. And I, I mean, before I came to Jesus, man, I used to just think every time something went wrong, every time something went bad, I used to think, that's the devil coming against me. And I'm not serving Jesus, understand. That's the devil coming against me. Now that I understand the way the Lord works, I believe that every time I was tripped up in life as I was rebelling against God, it wasn't the devil that I was having struggles with. Even these random moments where I got off scot-free for stuff that I should have gone to prison for, I don't think that was necessarily God's favor either. Understand, in this life, there is warfare. Period. Everybody's at war. And there's only two sides. There's the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. There's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the devil. There's only two sides to this whole thing. What side are you going to be on? You're either going to have the enemy who is fighting your battles but taking jabs because ultimately he wants to drag you down for eternity. Or you're going to have God on your side fighting your battles but you'll have an adversary. Either way... You're going to have resistance in this life. Remember, God says, I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble. He said that before the unbeliever, he would place a stumbling block, a rock of offense. There's always going to be these moments, if you're in rebellion to God, where you're going to, where you're going to trip up, and you're going to have struggles, and you're going to have frustrations. And you can get mad at the devil, and sometimes it's him. But I believe very often God will put up stumbling blocks in front of you because he's trying to get your attention. Things are going to continue to go poorly for you until you give your life. I'd 
If we're going to be at war, I'd rather have God fighting on my side. I'd rather have God fighting my battles because I know the devil's going to lose. Now, he gets his shots in every once in a while, but praise God. God is with us. God is fighting for us. He came to bring us peace. He came to bring us peace. And then the last thing it says that he came, uh, it says goodwill towards men. And this is a neat phrase. I, I don't know if you've ever seen this or what comes to your mind when you read that phrase. But that phrase literally means God's good pleasure. It means that this sending of Jesus Christ is an expression of God's good pleasure towards all mankind. Listen, I know you're sin. I know you're in sin. I know you're away from me. I know you're in rebellion. But I love you. And I long for you. And I am sending a good gesture in Jesus Christ. I want you to come to me. It's his expression of goodness towards. I mean, you guys, this is a, this is a gift-giving season, right? Alina, if you would come, I, I'm, I'm ready to close now. This is a gift-giving season. Could you imagine giving the gift of your son? You guys, I just, I, I can't even imagine. He knew how that was all going to work out, but I just, I, I can't imagine sending my son, son somewhere. Knowing, yeah, he would be born miraculously supernatural. Yes, he would be a miracle worker and all kinds of incredible things would follow. But I can't imagine sending my son knowing that one day he was going to be betrayed, tortured, and crucified. That's a, that's a heavy thought. But that was the expression of the Father. Goodwill towards men. I'm going to give you my best. I'm going to give you that which is nearest and dearest to me. That's what Jesus did. And each and every one of us today, we have an obligation. I've shared a simple message with us this morning, and maybe you're here and you say, I need, I need that Savior in my life. I need Christ, the Anointed One, the Lord, to be Lord over my life. I need peace. I need to receive the goodness of God. Well, we're going to pray. And even before we give gifts here in the natural, I'm going to give you the opportunity to receive the greatest gift of all. Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your Lord. The cleansing of your sins and the hope of heaven with a God who loves you. Would you just stand to your feet right now all across this room as we, as we prepare to close? you ever wonder how could God love me all you need to do is consider the fact that he sent his best he sent his son to purchase your soul he didn't want to spend eternity without you and Jesus himself was willing to suffer and die knowing he would resurrect but he was willing to endure that for you and for me with every head bowed, everyone praying all across this room, you say, Pastor, I, 
I want to receive that, that free gift. I want my sins to be cleansed. I, I want my sins to be washed away. Listen, if you're here today, I don't care. Maybe, maybe you've never made a commitment to Jesus. What a wonderful day, Christmas 2020, to make a dedication to Jesus Christ. That was when I got right with God. Maybe you're here and, man, you, you once went hard after God. You loved the Lord and you served Him, but you've drifted away. You've not been serving Him. You've allowed sin to come and dominate your life. But today you say, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want Him to take my sin and, and wash it away. I want Him to be my Lord and my Savior. And maybe you're here, you just, you're, you're doing your best. You're going after God. But you've got some things that trip you up and you say, I need Jesus to be Lord over my life in these areas. If any of those three, you've never known the Lord or today you, you want to get right with Him or you've got some things that you're dealing with and you want the Lord to help you. If any of those three fit your heart, just between you and the Lord, every head bowed. But would you just lift your hand so I know who I'm, who I'm praying for? Yeah, I see you there. I see you there. I see you over there. God bless you guys. Anybody else? Yeah, I see you back there. God bless. Are there others? Listen, even if you're watching online, you just you, you send a message. And we'll, we'll pray for you. You just leave a comment or something. We'll know it. Okay, they're making a commitment. They're going to get, they're, they're serious about this. Come on, all across this room. Can we just lift our hands right now? And, and we're just, I want to lead us in this prayer, in this declaration right now with every head li hand lifted all across this room. Everybody pray, dear Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me I've fallen short of your holy standard. But I thank you. You came to this earth, a child in a manger. You lived a sinless life. You died a sinner's death. A death that I deserved. But you overcame hell and death. You rose from the dead. You ascended to heaven. You're coming back soon. I thank you. I'm going to be ready. Because you cleanse me. You forgive me. You wash me. I ask you, Lord, save me from my sin. Do a deep work in my life. Heal broken areas. Save me, Lord. And I thank you. You're my God. You're my Savior. You're my King. I give myself to you. Live your life through me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.